0: Sir Balfour, the Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraff's audio. The guest on this edition of Fangraphs audio is actually a Major League Baseball pitcher. His name is Trevor Bauer. Uh, we will get to Trevor Bauer in conversation in a moment, uh, because the person with whom he is conversing is August Fagerstrom, and August is here with me at the moment, uh, to help me, to help us introduce the audio clip to follow. August, you're there? I am here, August Fagerstrom. Yes, uh, August, you are in Ohio, which is also where the Cleveland Indians play baseball, and I assume that that is how uh, you've you've been able to find yourself talking with Trevor Bauer.
1: Yes, that is how I. Uh, I'm a reporter for the Akron Beacon Journal, and I have um, I've somehow been given access to the Indians clubhouse, and uh, yeah, I've been I've been looking to to have this conversation with Trevor for a little bit, but. Um, every game that I cover he pitches so it's made it kind of difficult but he uh, graciously gave me about 35 minutes of his time after his start on Sunday and we had a pretty uh, pretty enlightening conversation
0: right and I know uh, I'm not a talented baseball reporter but I do know that um, speaking for someone uh, a pitcher uh, for 35 minutes after he's pitched this is uh, I would say there's something rare about that and I would say that generally for what I know of Trevor Bauer, there's something rare about him in that he seems to take a great deal of joy in discussing uh, the art and science of pitching. And I assume that that's, uh, that, that's what excites you about um, about him as well.
1: Basically, the only reason why he consented to it was because of how passionate he is about the subject. So it was pretty cool um, for, for him to do it uh, after a start, for sure.
0: Now, uh, what are we going to hear in the audio that follows here? Um, well, there's... Um there
1: was a pretty excellent long-form piece on SB Nation about effective velocity that I believe was published in, like, June this year. Um, and so it kind of just starts off with me uh, just kind of having him put that into his own words. And then we also discuss um, some of the differences between his time in Arizona and his time now, um, how he reviews uh, each start Um basically based only on how uh, he calls it EV efficient. Um, it was not really on the outcomes, which uh, is cool for us as people who um, prefer FIP to ERA, which is a not result-based um, thing. And so, yeah, it's pretty much just him talking about his, his approach, his philosophy, how he learned about EV, how he applies it to the game, and uh, basically just how uh, Cleveland is kind of letting him do that, how Arizona kind of didn't let him do
0: that. Right, of course uh, some of his uh, I guess some of his practices seemed to were not particularly well received in Arizona. Uh, I mean you haven't heard as as much about that during his tenure with Cleveland.
1: No, yeah, and really I think kind of want to boil down to, you know, there's there's so much made of him, you know, being stubborn or, you know, a diva or, you know, impossible to coach. And I think really at least from his um Viewpoint. I think he was really just misunderstood, and uh, that it was really it's just you know it's such a different approach that he just kind of needed time with them to kind of have it all work out, and he didn't he didn't really get the, the time to to do that. And now I think he's kind of being given that, that that opportunity.
0: Oh, excellent. Uh, well, I uh, appreciate the audio, and uh, I, as well as uh, I, I'm assuming our listeners, if they're smart, uh, look forward to the audio to follow.
1: Right on,
0: thank you. All right, thank you. That is August Fagerstrom. Carson late now, prepare for Trevor Bauer. Uh, are you
1: the site Fangraphs? Yes. Uh, okay, so I write for them. Okay. Um, that's where most of this will be going up at. Another one of my favorite? Yeah, yeah, I figured oh, Figured this, uh yeah, I mean, I'm big nerdy guy, if that's how you want to put it or whatever, so, you know, figured that would... Right, at my You're right. yeah, I figured. Um, so, yeah, I read this um, great piece, uh, it's like a long-form piece on SB Nation about Effective Velocity. It was mostly uh, about... Huh? By Jason? Yeah, yeah, it was mostly about Perry Husband, but you were, uh, you were in it too. Um, I've actually read it a couple times, um, so I think I have a, a grasp of what it's all about, but I just kind of wanted to, you know, hear you kind of put it into, you know, your own words and just what that is, and then also just kind of how you apply it to to you know, like the way you pitch.
2: Well, I don't even know.
1: And also, I wanted to preface it. it by saying that, you know, since this is going on Fangraphs, you know, you don't have to just hit me with any of the technical, you know, things, I mean, the audience that right. will be reading this will appreciate all that, so.
2: Um, Shoot, I've been using it since I was first introduced to it uh, in the summer of, I guess, of 2009, in between my freshman and sophomore year at UCLA. So I've been using it 10, 11, 12, 13, four years, four-plus years, four-and-a-half years, five seasons maybe, Yeah, five seasons. I still don't know how to put it all into words. Yeah. Um, You know, exactly. It's so hard to uh, describe it because – it's um, uh it, it's open, like so it's an equation right mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's largely a mechanical or a uh, mathematical equation mm-hmm. on uh, timing and, and stuff like that. But there's a lot of the equation is more of like a guideline. Uh, you know there's a lot of different ways you can work within it right so it doesn't become it, it, it's really it's brilliant. Um, because there's a couple key tenets of it and if you work within those, it's pattern-proof too. So there's no... Like you can throw a whole season being EV efficient and not fall into any patterns, not have any predictability, um, which is big. And and so it's it's just... Maybe more of like an algorithm, or I don't even know really how to how to term it exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 been huge in my baseball career. Yeah. Um, from the time I was you know in college to pro ball, and now I work with Perry um, on a start to start basis. Okay. Uh, I- uh, on reviewing my outings and, and actually studying it and trying to get better. Um, with the approach and having having it occur to me more naturally on the mound, so that, you know, and so I'm not thinking of okay, man, okay, let me think. Let's see, I just do this pitch. And blah, blah, blah. Right. So I throw a pitch and something happens and I'm like, okay, this or don't do that or mm-hmm. stuff like
1: that. Um, what What kind of things will I mean? Because you said that he, you know you kind of reviews your starts. What kind of things will he look at? What kind of things will he tell you? Um, just, you know, how does. Uh,
2: mostly what we look at is um, we try to look at the things that I can control, which is basically avoiding barrels, avo- avoiding hard mm-hmm. head contact. Um, you know, the more you do that over the long run, you know, the better off you're going to be. Um, I had a. A nice little string at you know my first maybe ten or fifteen starts where it wasn't really working out in my favor because mm-hmm. I was giving up a lot of broken bat jam shot hits that you know were falling. But over the long term, the more you can avoid a barrel, the more you can avoid hard contact, the better off you're going to be with balls in play. Um, so we'll look at uh, how many hard contacts there were, mm-hmm. and of those hard contacts, how many of those violated. Um, certain roles of EV, how many of them basically were EV inefficient? Right. And how many of them were, and um, so that way we can get like a true number of uh, a true representation of the, the theory at work. The, uh, how EV is actually working that outing. Right. Um, so that's one thing is we'll look at hard hit balls, uh, and then he'll he'll review batter, each at bat um, of the game to. How efficient was that particular at-bat? So I'm able to, at the end of the game, say, okay, I had a certain number of wasted pitches, a certain number of pressure pitches, a certain number of strike pitches, a certain number of freeze pitches, and I can kind of quantify each start to, to more so look at my performance as a whole, um, on how I did, how I executed pitches, how I, how I executed the game plan, how well did I think through the game plan. He'll talk about certain things like, you know, I think this is a really good pitch in this situation. I think this is not a good pitch in this situation because, you know, it's, if you don't execute it, it's right in the middle, you know, of where you don't want to be, stuff right. like that. So it gives me a way to, because I'm really big on um, objective measurement of stuff. So, like playing catch every day, I keep track of every throw I make, how many hit the guy in the chest, and how many missed. Mm-hmm. I write it down, I keep percentages every day. Um, I do the same thing for my bullpen sessions. Uh, just so I have a, a a way of saying, Okay, this is you know, this is where I was at this month, this is yeah. where I was at these couple days, you know, kind of track that. So you know, baseball's so you can go out and give up twenty seven line drives like smoked. Right. They can all go right at someone and you can throw a perfect game. Right, yeah. So was that plan effective? Right. It was a perfect game, so yes, but yeah. Any other day, it's probably going to be an right. early day because, you know. So I'm trying to look at, I'm trying to find a, a way to objectively measure my actual performance so that I can kind of, you know, results are going to be what they're going to be. The results are hopefully going to be better with the better process and better execution. So I'm trying to focus on that.
1: When you say, um, like, EV efficient pitches, one of the things that, like, I was wondering about, I mean, I saw the kind of... You know, there's like the it's like the zero line, right? That's like in the middle, and there's you know you want the the harder stuff to be high and tight because that right because then that that kind of um, you know it, appears. it, it gains effective right. it, it gains velocity, and basically. Then, then you want the off speed stuff to be low and away under under most low, times right, <laughs> and, and, and that's, what I was gonna and that's ask. where the
2: that's where the the Kind of coloring in, that's where the guidelines come in.
1: Right, and, kind of and so in yourself. that's what I was going to ask is how, I mean, under, under what circumstances uh, is it um, smart or, or do you want to have a fastball in, you know, that, you know. The minus area. Right, and then when, I mean, I don't think you usually want to have any breaking stuff up in, you know, the sure. fastball area, but okay. So Right, so when, you know, when right. do you want to do that and why? So
2: understanding just the, what the zero line is, uh, it. The pitch is going to be reaction time-wise, because that's basically what EV does. It takes velocity, the true velocity of the pitch, kind of out the window, and it's all based on what the reaction time is for the hitter. So fastball in the plus area is going to be, you're going to have to get the barrel further out in front. Mm -hmm. So it's basically going to play up in velocity, because the bat has to travel longer distance to be on time. Um, And a fastball down away is going to be, because the bat doesn't have to travel nearly as far, all based around the fastball basically middle middle in the zone mm-hmm. um, so understanding that it's just like you get into a bat sometimes and like so I'll, we'll take a a, 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 a bat just a random at bat um, so I throw say it's a lefty up and I throw uh, first pitch cutter um, at 88 miles an hour inside uh, middle, middle thigh so basically middle elevation in the mm-hmm. third first strike so that's going to play up a little bit in speed. Um, 88 is probably going to play up to about 90. Say he hits that, he pulls that ball foul. He s- smokes it, line drive, barely foul. I have a fairly good idea that the hitter's timing is right around 90 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So now that it all goes into you know just working on speed-wise. Now I want to go away from 90 miles an hour. I don't want to throw him something else that's going to end up EV 90 miles an hour because right. he's timed for that. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of different options. I can throw now a fastball up and in at 94 because it's going to be, if right. I throw it at the belt and in, 94 actual speed is going to gain about 5, right. so it's going to be 99. Mm-hmm. So he's very likely to be late on that pitch. I can throw a... Um, I can throw a a change up away at 84 and if, as long as it's in the minus area it's going to be 84 or less which is going to be far enough away from 90 that he's probably not going to be on time with that i can throw a slider inside that'll end up kind of on the zero line but it's going to be about 82 down and in so i have a lot of different options that i can go to and then i can go to a freeze pitch if i want to as well so say i want to go say i throw the, he pulls the cutter foul now i can throw a fastball away. Um, most likely going to end up with a depending on how the game when the when, it, when the at bat takes place during the game and how the previous at bats with the specific player have gone and your history and stuff like that. Um, but a fastball away uh, freeze would be dangerous, but
1: you mean by could work.
2: So. Um, Everything that comes out of a out of a, the same tunnel. Are you familiar? Talk yeah. A little bit about tunneling, yep. right? Yep. So you have like a, a straight fastball, mm-hmm. then you have a cutter that comes off, and it kind of goes right, right and then you have a slider on that plane. So you have this main tunnel mm-hmm. that all you want all your pitches to come pass through it. It's about, you know, ideally halfway to the plate. If you have like a ring about this big, mm-hmm. you'd ideally be able to throw every single one of the, every, every pitch you throw, right, through that. And so it looks the same. Right. It takes away all their early reads on uh, trajectory, um, you know, so looking at it from the side, a fastball down may share this, and a slider may do that, so mm-hmm. now the hitter can see like a little hump. So that's the tunnel. Anything outside of the tunnel, so say my tunnel is set up for a fastball, middle of the plate, belt high. I can throw a cutter off that. I can throw a slider off that. I can throw a reverse slider mm-hmm. off that, a changeup off that, a curveball in the dirt, all out of that tunnel. Mm-hmm. Well, a fastball down and away isn't going to share that same look, so the more pitches I throw through that tunnel – and then I throw one that's that looks completely different. It's like, what the hell is that?
1: So that's the freeze pitch. That's and the freeze. Like, okay, so it's kind right. of like a change of pace, almost, but in a totally different visually. Thing. Right. Okay. Right.
2: So it'd be the same thing as throwing fastballs down in the zone, down in the zone, maybe five or six of them, then curveball. It pops up. Oh, what is that? Mm-hmm. It's not that they can't hit that curveball. Right. They know it's coming, or if they identify it early, everybody in the big leagues can hit a curveball. Right. You know, but it's that. They've, they've been seeing this and all of a sudden they see this and it's like whoa what is mm-hmm. that and it locks them up so that's the idea behind a freeze so there's an instance where throwing a curveball in the or an off speed pitch mm-hmm. um, in the plus area
1: okay because then it's coming from a different it's it's okay. a lot higher so right. I had
2: a earlier today there's a curveball that I threw for a strikeout um, that was up and in it ended up up and in and it just enhances the freeze effect because it, it starts out so high right that there's oh that that's way
1: mm-hmm.
2: way up and then so, it
1: breaks down. So really, if by by keeping most of your pitches through that tunnel, it makes the ones that don't come from the tunnel that much more effective. I mean, it I means that is that's makes, the idea, yeah. Okay.
2: Um, and but it's it's a double edged sword though because what freeze pitches are that curveball that I threw up in the zone for a strikeout. If you he recognize it, it. Yeah. now, it's it's eighty miles an hour right. up and in goes to yeah. eighty five, and that's a pitch that right. very likely could go out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. So that's where the kind of having a feel for the game and prior at bats and pitches you've thrown, counting cards basically, the pitches mm-hmm. you've thrown in that at bat um, helps you kind of paint the picture, I guess, yeah. for lack of a better explanation.
1: So I don't I don't think. Uh Court kind of mentioned something to me. I don't I don't think he wanted me to kind of go here. But when you were talking about, you know, uh, of like the little sequence that you just made up of, you know, what you're thinking of, you know, out on the mound, it just made me think of, you know, the whole story of, you know, when you first came up with the Diamondbacks, you know, shaking off Miguel Montero and all that. I don't even really know how to word this. I mean, just how, what was – I mean, what was that relationship? Because, I mean, I'm sure that he – or, you know, just whatever catcher, you know, that you have is not as, you know, in tune with all of this as you are, so... It's,
2: it's completely different than Because,
1: I mean, a catcher calls a game, so when right. you're out there and you got all this going through your head, you know, I mean, just... I, I, well, so... I understand. guess, how much did you talk with him about that? And then, does, does like, Jan, I mean, like, you know, is so, he in any of this? Is that... So,
2: understand it from, uh, from my perspective a little bit first. Mm-hmm. I, I have this... This concept, this algorithm, basically, and I I, like we've been talking about trying to work within it. It's the fundamentals of it are different than just drastically different than a conventional Mm -hmm. approach. So there's certain things where if if an approach is centered around throwing fastballs down and away. My approach is centered on throwing fastballs up and in. Right. So learning how to marry those two is very tough because they're so mm-hmm. drastically different. Right. It's not like you have a guy that's, oh, he likes to throw 60% off-speed stuff. That's just who he is, and, mm. okay, I understand that now. But he's still going to throw heaters down and away. This is like, this guy likes to throw 40 or 50% fastballs, and he doesn't like to throw them over here. So then the, it puts the catchers in a tough position because it's like, well, I don't know how to – I've been in the minor leagues for eight years. I've been in the big leagues for five years or whatever it may be. I have mm-hmm. 13 years of professional baseball experience calling stuff this certain way. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how to call a game that way. Right. So I've tried to simplify uh, the concepts. Right. Um, and, and just so that there's so I don't have to sit down with a catcher and be like, look, okay, let me explain to you right. for an hour of this yeah, and right. an hour of this. Yeah. And then so now you're sitting behind the plate like shit. I don't <laughs> yeah, even know right. what pitch to call. Right. I, you know, And some guys are better at processing information. Some guys aren't they're feel guys. They you know they get a sense for what the hitter's doing mm-hmm. and they call a game based on feel. Some you know everyone does it slightly differently and they find ways to be successful with that. And I think I process information very well i mm-hmm. and I, I think in everything I do i just i think right, and there's a lot of people that aren't like that, Actually. and so trying to yeah, yeah trying to find a way to mesh not only the the very the vastly different approaches but the personalities and the way I go about processing information and the way they go about processing information is very tough it's very you know and how do you how do you even begin to try to communicate about that type of stuff? you know going into an outing right the way it works best i found is as i can throw to a guy more often like even my my sophomore year in in college because i threw the same catcher for three years mm-hmm. so that's a very good representation you know my freshman year i, I just threw whatever the coach called and because mm-hmm. I, I hadn't been exposed to ev yet and, and the, my sophomore year I, I had this this concept i, I learned I, I was introduced to ev and um and so and i was able to shake off and i'm Call my own game, basically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I would shake, and the catcher would be like, "Okay, well, what do I put down? I don't know what to put down." I throw seven pitches. So right. Like, you know, yeah. You could be fastball in, nope, fastball away, no nope. cutter in, no nope, cutter away. You, I mean, you could right. go on forever with you know if you're not on the same page. So, um, it was it was rough early because trying to learn some of the learning on the fly, basically, like how how I choose to paint the picture. But as it got to you know later in that season, and then throughout my junior season, because I was throwing to the same guy, he caught me enough. He saw what I liked to do, saw what you know kind of how it worked, and he kind of got this. Uh, he was an experiential pitch caller. You know, the coach called the pitches, but when I shook off, he had to put down a sign, and so you know, it was experiential for him. Like, okay, I don't know what to call. But we're going to throw a slider here, okay? And then he'd see, oh, that makes sense, and that kind of works. So he kind of learned it. As we went along, so as I throw to catchers more and more, uh, they get familiar with how I like to go about things and and the concept, they learn it however they learn it. Right, so it's
1: not as much of of you kind of putting it into words, just kind of an experience thing where they'll kind of naturally, uh, you know, ease into just the way that you pitch. They
2: they experience it, they learn it how they learn. If they're a thinker, they can look at they can watch the film and say, okay, this is. What does he like to do? Okay, I can kind of see he likes to do this or he likes to do that, and they learn it that way. If they're an experiential guy, a feel guy, they can kind of say, "Oh, okay, I see. You know how how does how do the hitters react to his cutter? How do they react to his changeup?" And they kind of learn it that way. But it takes a while of throwing to someone to get on the same page because there's really no good way to get on the same page. To a, for me throwing to a first time catcher, there's really no good way to yeah, talk to, to him before to the start yeah. and say, "Hey, look." This, because back to the EV a little bit more, it's like there's so many different options. Uh, Okay, I need to lose speed here. Well, I can lose speed in five different ways. I need to add speed here. Well, I can add speed or I can throw a freeze. And sometimes I feel like throwing a freeze, and sometimes I feel like adding speed. It's all played off of what happens in the game and feel in the game and reading the hitters and stuff like that. So there's really no good way to go about explaining it. So in the case with Arizona, I threw to Montero four times, three times. Right. And it's like, you know, to, that's that's The entire tough. sample was
1: you shaking him off because you didn't really have enough time for him yeah. to learn. And it's not his fault. Right. You
2: know, it, it's not my fault. It's not his fault. It's a product it's of just a different a way of going approaches. about things. Yeah. And, you know, I, I people had said that, you know, I, I didn't talk to him or he didn't talk to me. or, but they're missing the whole point there right. really isn't a good way to, to talk about it's it just, it just
1: has to be done it, it,
2: you know and I used to try I used to try to talk to my catchers and say hey I want to throw mostly this or mostly that Or, you know. but then I'd get in the game and they'd say okay they, I, he wants to throw mostly this so they're putting it down and I'm like you know no, I have a feel that I want to throw something else right. and then they're like well what the heck and then, you know. <laughs> um,
0: so
2: I think it would have worked out eventually unless right. we learned each other I don't think that he's a he was a bad guy trying to against me. I think he was honestly trying to help me. Mm -hmm. We're on the same team. We're trying to win. Right. But his way of helping me wasn't
1: my way of... It was different than the way you're trying to help yourself.
2: Right. So we're we're like, here, we're not on the same page.
1: And
2: then we're going, like we're trying to get on the same page and we're going further away. Yeah. You know, and I was hurt and I wasn't executing very well and so I wasn't being successful with what I wanted to do and so then he's trying to help me to be successful and I... It just it, right. the timing and everything just didn't light up.
1: There was a quote in in that um, long form piece where it said something to the effect of that it will, that, you know, the, the the concept of EV has not, you know, been fully bought into by a team or by a GM yet. And you said that it would take a progressive GM to, to, you know, maybe do that. Indians are known as being, you know, one of the more, prog- you know, up, up there with the Oakland, Houston, uh, right. Tampa, as, you know, one of the more progressive teams. D-backs are kind of on the other end of that spectrum. At least, you know, that's the outside perspective. Is, you know, I mean, is this something that you've discussed with Chris? Would you say that he might be that progressive GM? And um, just, I mean, I talked with Zach Walters when he first mm-hmm. came here, and he said something interesting to me that, you know, that he – he liked already the Indians organization because of how open they were with communication. That he came from Washington, which, which he said was a very business-oriented franchise. Whereas this one, they're very open in communication. They want to know what you want to do. Just what? What is you? I mean, how has it changed since you came to Cleveland? You know, is is Antonetti maybe that that guy? I mean, just how how you know open and progressive have they been with your approach? They've
2: been they've been fantastic on because I, I do differently you know right. I, I train differently I, I think about the game differently I approach things differently so they've been fantastic on every aspect of it because I think of that fact they they're very communication oriented and it's not one-way communication it's not you're gonna do this right and then there's no do you feel bad. that
1: way in Arizona a little bit I,
2: I didn't I, I don't know it was I wasn't there for long enough to even yeah. really have a you know and I was, it was my first experience in pro ball and then it' was just there's so much going on that it was hard to even really. I never really settled into. I had one spring training with them. I had, right. It was, it was so quick. Uh, the, the time frame, uh, the, such a small sample size of even interacting with each other. But being here now for just my second year here, and uh, the, the communication on, hey, what do you want to do? Okay, we think you should do this. What do you feel about that? You know, can we, how do you? What do you like? What do you dislike of what we're telling you? How does what we're telling you come off? We're, we're not trying to beat you up, we're trying to communicate here. You know, just different stuff like that where it's, it's handled a lot more like a, almost like a, a person to person type social relationship that is centered around business instead of a strictly business relationship where you have kind of what had at, yeah. the boss telling the employee to do, or the, the CEO telling the managers or whatever to do this, and then they tell the employees, and they tell all their, you know, and it's it's a Um, top-down. This is much more of a, it's not even really bottom-up. It's all just kind of in this circle where it just bounces back and forth. So to the question of is Chris the GM, it's a lot more than just the GM, right? So the Mm -hmm. GM helps, ultimately makes a lot of the decisions. But it's a lot on who he puts in in the farm system, who's... Who's in charge of player development? Who's in, who are the pitching coaches? How are they? How are they instructed? You know, is there?
1: are booting people, so okay. it kind of up. All
2: right. You know, and so it's like it, it would have to come from a, a the, the bottom up on that aspect of player development. So you're going to teach this certain concepts of it in rookie ball so that the guys who move from rookie ball to low A ball have these concepts and you're going to teach them more concepts there and you're going to teach it all the way through the organization so that by the time you you bring guys up through your organization three or four years they're versed in the, the ideology the methodology and however you want to term it that they can and, and your position player your catcher coming up or are used to calling games that way or and it's not for everybody but for at least for the people who want to try it and want to buy into it um, because I hate one-size-fits-all programs. Mm-hmm. So if someone doesn't want to do it, then do what you want to do. But for the people who do, at least to give them the information and say, hey, that we think this is a way you can help maximize your performance, which I think everybody wants to do. And it's it, it's a way that it would have to be taught in the lower levels of the minor leagues as guys move up. Uh, so I um,
1: also mentioned that article was that um, before the Indians traded for you, they... Uh, they went to uh, camp hosted by Ron Woolforth, correct? Um, and that they they kind of scouted you there, and you know that that camp. I mean, that was at the Texas base, right? Village, yeah. um, and then uh, Eric Bender, mm-hmm. he, he he was there. I'm not sure quite of what his, so, his role was, but then they then went out and hired him, and right, he right. worked for the Indians now. So, so just, what's your relationship with those two guys, and what you know? Do how do they help you here?
2: So I've been I've been working with Ron since I was 14. Um, I went down and did a camp. And then that's when this whole like journey, baseball-wise, kind of doing things differently started mm-hmm. for me. Um, you know, My pitching coach in Los Angeles uh, from, I was, from the time I was 10, I think, um, Jim Wagner, you know, to his credit, he did a really good job of going out and researching new information, ways to help me get better and stuff. And so he sent me down to see Ron. So I've been working with Ron and Jim and people associated with them, which includes uh, Lee Fiocchi at DST, Eric Cressy, uh, Perry's husband—that's who I ended up right. meeting. How I met Perry it was through Ron, um, and Ron has these coaches' clinics that he puts on every December. So he brings in five or 6 I mean, probably like seven or eight guys—that he wants to hear talk about nutrition, mindset, pitch sequencing, mechanics, weightlifting, whatever. Just guys, so he can try to learn and get better at what he does. And then, you know, like 150 coaches will come in and listen to the guys talk. Right? Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, Two years ago, before I got traded, Ron and had me and Eric. Eric was training at the time. He ended up, he played a little bit professionally with the Cardinals. Okay. He was undrafted, um, didn't even, he came to the ranch at like 22 years old, throwing like 83, and ended up topping out at 95 and signing a, a wow. free agent deal to actually play professional ball. So he had gotten released. He was training to try to get back, you know, get another job in professional ball. And um, Ron had me and him give a, a talk, a, a, a we were covering, like, mechanics and how to actually go about training mechanics. So if you have a guy that has a poor mechanical pattern, how do you actually help him adjust? Because it's good to know what proper mechanics are, but how do you train that? Right. So that's kind of what we were talking about. Well, the Indians were had some representatives there, and they um, heard Eric talking and liked his ideas to basically player development, his player development ideas. And so they had talked to him and said, hey, you know, Never seen a pitch or anything. We can't offer you a job on the field, but we have this internship. We can, yeah. You know. So he ended up taking that route and getting into the front office type aspect, and he's working more player development type stuff now, um, designing programs, helping, you know, scouting stuff like that. Um, and, and so they Indians sent representatives back uh, last year as well to the coaches' camp, and so it's a, a huge credit to them on reaching and trying to get as much information from as many different areas as they
1: can. I've got more stuff I want to ask you but we're already running a lot later than I wanted to, to keep you around so I'll just I got one more thing. Um, I was looking at some of your heat maps of where you pitch, and for the righties, I mean, it's pretty much. I mean, it's it's a it's a line where I mean, you can. I mean, obviously, there's going to be stuff in the middle, so that's why right. that was hot. But then, I mean, up and in, and then low and away were the two spots. To lefties, it seems like you you work up and in a lot, but the the low and away wasn't wasn't quite there to the lefties. It was it was a lot colder down there. Is that? Just I mean, what is? The, uh, a
2: feel this year, um, pitches going down to that side. Mm-hmm. I haven't had as much a feel for. It. I've had more feel for a slider and a cutter so I've been working that way more and I'm starting to get a much better feel for my reverse and my change up Mm. um, to go down there and it's helped me out be successful you know it's helped me be more successful as the years moving along being able to to work all the different quadrants of the zone and try to make everything still come out of that same tunnel and have you know something end up something run a little bit more so it's up and away something stays true so it's up and in something dive something cut you know stuff like that um but it all—it changes from outing to outing based on you know what I have feel for right. and, and what's working that day. The lineup, the, yeah. you know, some guys you don't want to throw stuff down away because they got to get extended. You know, some guys hunt stuff up and in, so you don't want to throw them. You want to throw them something that looks up and in, but ends up somewhere else. So they go at it, and you get a weak contact type thing. So,
1: one more thing, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, how how much do. Uh, Tito and Mickey know about effective velocity and all that. I would assume you
2: know, that. I'm that not sure. Mickey,
1: uh, Mick, might, he seems like someone that would.
2: Yeah, he understands uh, some of the concepts. Um, it's it's something you have to. You can understand it theoretically and, right. and from a number standpoint and written word and having it explained. It's completely different to actually be on the mound and right. implement it and, and live it. And so I think he understands it from. Uh, the core the the written part of it, and because he, you know, during his career, he never pitched under that, you know, that I guess outline. Um, so he, had, he he definitely understands certain principles of it and, and stuff from a, a written um, perspective, a, more of a an intellectual perspective as opposed to an experiential.
1: Have any of their pitchers in this staff kind of caught on to that at all, or asked asked you about Not it? Sure. Or? No,
2: I mean, we talk about certain you know ways we like to approach guys and. And um, you know what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, stuff like that. But
1: it, I, anyone's I don't know. Sp- specifically kind of taken a you know liking to it at all, or you know, kind of
2: no, uh, and, and no one did in college either. When I used it or in the minor leagues, it's because it's so different. It's so right. Different. Yeah, I
1: mean, these guys get here in a certain way, and you know, right. They, they and keep it's so abstract that. that it's like, what? Why would I? Yeah.
2: you, you want to throw a fastball down the middle. of
1: like yeah, right. right
2: down the middle at the belt. That, <laughs> that pitch is going to get hit,
1: right? And you're like, no, but I did this before, so it's yeah, it's okay. Exactly.
2: Yeah. It's all you know, learn the hitter's timing and, and the yeah. whole. It's it's an integrated approach. So to understand just a, a, one piece of it isn't going to be nearly as effective. And as the whole algorithm, the
1: whole right. outline. Well, cool. Thanks yeah. a lot, man. Yeah. I man, you know this is a day you pitched so this is you know i thank you a lot for sitting down and talking to me this is all fascinating i could i could keep picking your brain for another hour about this and i'm sure that you could (laughs) keep talking about it too (laughs)
2: well
1: thank you